Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Combined no hitter. Welcome to the Just Baseball Show. I'm Peter Apple. That's Arm Layton. It is Thursday. We're doing a recap of Game Four, a preview of Game Five, just like we do every morning. Got to shout out our guy Arm. He's currently in California. It is 10 a.m. in the morning, so that means it's 7 a.m. for him, bright and early. So he's definitely going to be tired. And me, emotionally, I'm pretty tired after heading on the Phillies and then watching them get no hit. Ah. <sighs> What a day. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I, I forgot that you had the Phillies and yeah. it just makes it a little bit more more painful, I'd imagine. But when it when is it I think if you're gonna see something though, if you're gonna lose, at least have it be in a historic way. We talked about this. I think right. you had one other loss. You were up 40 units this year, so it doesn't freaking matter. But like you had one other loss that I think was a no-hitter too. Oh, if yeah. If I'm not so- mistaken. My worst bet of the season is when I had I had raised money line or no. Yeah, I had raised money line and Reed Detmers took the mound. Yeah. And Reed Detmers threw a no hitter and the Angels won 12 to zero. I mean, that's probably <laughs> the worst pick ever. But this felt a little bit more historic considering that the last no hitter or perfect game was delivered by Don Larson in 1956. And this is what the Astros did. It wasn't a no-hitter. It wasn't Christian Javier going all nine innings. It was He was relieved by an incredible bullpen. And I just want to shout out Brian Abreu for a second. I was, yeah. I was with Colby, and I was like, that guy could also start. They just have a slew of bullpen arms that you look at all of them and you think to yourself, these guys could either all be closers or all make a transition into the rotation like Christian Javier did. It, it's unbelievable. I, and and I mean, it all kind of boils back down to that stat that we talked about, about how 99 point whatever percent of the innings that were pitched by Astros pitchers this year were sub four ERA guys like that always kind of pops back up in my mind every time they go to somebody. And I'm like, well, this guy's going to be nasty. Every single guy they go to is, is a good option. And that's what makes it even crazier. And I mean, they go Abreu, Montero, Presley, Dunn. I mean, and of course, it's it's Christian Javier who sets the tone there, and we'll talk about him a little bit in a moment. But 
the other thing too is like the Phillies lose and and they fired a lot of their their good bullets here. I mean, they did save Sir Anthony Dominguez, and I'm sure we're going to see him for for multiple innings in this next game, assuming that it's close. But you know, Alvarado showed his his first little vulnerabilities, and then they still used Robertson, they used Eflin, who looked great, but. I mean, they used all of their guys. So uh, the Astros, it, it worked right into their favor. And just like that, it, it's amazing how quick a series can go. You know, the pendulum can kind of swing. It felt like the Phillies had all the momentum. Now, all of a sudden, it feels like the Astros have all the momentum again. And it's amazing how that can just change in one game in these kinds of series. And you would assume that the Astros would have bounced back after getting kind of punched in the mouth in game three, losing 7-0. You would assume that they would come back. But at the same time, you assume that Aaron Nola would make the adjustment. So when I was, you know, I put out my bed and my articles every morning, like you guys know, this is how it kind of fit into my head. What's a more likely scenario that Aaron Nola at home makes an adjustment after a tough loss, even though when he pitched poorly in that game, the Phillies offense was so explosive that they ended up coming back and winning that game, even against Houston's bullpen or Christian Javier, 25 years old, first full year in the rotation comes into citizens bank park where the Phillies are averaging seven runs a game and turns in an excellent start in his first start in the World Series. I thought to myself, what's more likely? I thought the Phillies side was more likely. I mean, it's but guess what happened? <laughs> But guess what happened? Christian Javier dominated. And not only did he dominate, he dominated with a specific pitch mix that the Phillies have been so good against. Fastballs and sliders. They have a lot of hitters in their lineup who actually match up very well against those pitches. Christian Javier doesn't throw 97, 98 miles an hour. Christian Javier throws between 93 to 95 with this 80 mile an hour breaking ball. And what did he do? He shoved it down the Phillies throats. And where it really unraveled was because Aaron Nola didn't pitch poorly. The box score you know, where it's looking like four innings, seven hits, three earned runs. That's not as bad as he pitched because Jose Alvarado came in. Jordan Alvarez immediately gets hit with 99. Alex Bredman gets the double, and then it just unravels from there. So Aaron Nola did look like he made the adjustment. He didn't look great, but he didn't look bad either. No, he didn't. But at the same time, like, you want more, right? Like, I agree. Yeah. It wasn't Nola's... This wasn't an implosion. He didn't look bad. And in the beginning, he looked really sharp. And then it just kind of seemed like he he slow. The Astros started to slowly adjust, slowly adjust. And all of a sudden, they kind of figured him out a little bit. In the beginning, that first inning and even going into the second, he had a little bit of traffic. But you're like looking at the curveball. You're seeing the way he's locating. You're like, oh, this is going to be a pitcher's tool. Uh, and then as they start to get to Nola, you think, okay, maybe the same is going to happen to Javier. And I love all the points that you make here, Peter. I mean, this was a quote unquote, like not ideal matchup for for Christian Javier, right? Young guy, World Series, you listed all the things. And the fact that the Phillies actually hit fastball slider pretty well. That's kind of a testament to just how ridiculously nasty he was. Like there's guys that when you're locked into that degree, it doesn't matter, you know, what the numbers are against, you know, whatever you do. And and Javier, I was looking at the fastball specifically, and I think they ended up touching on that, which I'm glad they did on the broadcast. But what makes his fastball so tough is that riding action, that induced vertical break. And, uh, you know, I think average is around 17, 16 to 17 inches of induced vertical break. The more inches of induced vertical break, even though it's counterintuitive, that the more that riding action it has. So if you get over 20, that's elite. He was spinning like 21s and, and 
just for reference, that for a hitter's mind, if they're used to 17 inches of induced vertical break, in their mind, when they see the ball start at a certain height, they're getting their bat down about a few inches below that because that's where you're naturally going to compute where it's going to be. Christian Javier's fastball was defying what our brains are used to, what those hitters' brains are used to seeing of just gravity pulling it down. It was it was defying gravity in a lot of ways, and you could just see the hitters not even able to adjust to it. It was like almost like a a mind trick, right? Like 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 a a visual trick that he's able to pull off with that fastball because you think it's going to end up here, but it stays up here. And that's why he could throw it 70% of the time. He did the same thing against the Yankees in the playoffs too. How do you throw a fastball that often and have that kind of success? It's the shape, deception, and it's just something that I don't know how guys are going to figure it out. And not only did we see it in the numbers to that point that you were making, which is it when you it, when you dial it down to 21 inches of vertical break, what does that look like? I think we saw this in real yeah. time. Remember in the yeah. first at-bat, Kyle Schwarber gets a middle-middle fastball and it looks yeah. like he is blown out of the water. And then Christian Javier goes up against him and he's just blown away. And it's not 99. It's not 100 miles an hour. It's 94, 95. And then we yeah. saw how hard is it to get a fastball by Bryce Harper? Pretty hard. But he was getting to buy it like nobody's business. And then it's like you could either sit on the fastball or sit on the slider. And it's not that fast of a velocity where you can't adjust. But these guys simply couldn't adjust. So that 95 with 21 inches of induced vertical break probably seems like 101 at no, this it does. point. It does. And it seems like magical. It seems like a wiffle ball the way the way it goes up. And you bring up the point about the slider. Like you got to sell out for the fastball and home mix in the slider, you know, 25 times. Right. And you're going to look like an idiot. So it, it, it's just amazing how he's able to do that. And then the, the thing with the way the Astros bullpen is it's not going to get that much easier. And Brian Abreu's inning was one of the nastiest innings I think we've seen in a long time. And that's the other annoying thing about the Astros is they pass the baton and and you're in trouble. Uh, That's why you got to kind of get to the starter. Uh, And the more I was thinking about it, I was like, the way to beat the Astros for the most part is you got to get to the starter uh, because otherwise you're just going to struggle to get to one of these guys in a one inning burst. And all the starters are good. (laughs) All the starters are really, really, really good. So it makes it very, very difficult for the Phillies. Uh, But man, I just want to like, acknowledge no hitter in the world series. I know it wasn't, you know, a single no hitter like Don Larson, who didn't even know he was throwing it when he did. If you watch the video, uh, he literally is like walking off and, and he's he even said that he didn't know he was throwing because he was so locked in. Javier looked ridiculously locked in. It was crazy. You see like between innings, like just staring like forward into oblivion. I was like, I would not go near that guy. Um, and it's just one of those things where if the starter is that good, it's not like the, the bullpen's much of a relief for these Phillies hitters either. And I mean, we, we just saw it firsthand. I mean, how is this not one of the most impressive performances in postseason history, right? It's, not it's only amazing. because of the no hitter through six innings. That's one thing. But you're 25 years old. You're making your first career World Series start against a Phillies offense that is averaging seven runs per game. Not in just in the World Series at home. Over the entirety of the playoffs at home, this is an electric offense with the entire crowd behind you who just got a ton of momentum from a 7-0 win the night before. They had to have all the confidence moving in and they couldn't touch to pitch Christian Javier. Now he can mix in a curveball, but he doesn't mix it in as, yeah, what did he throw two? 
He threw two knuckle curves. Two knuckle curves. <laughs> and the funniest part, dude, is I'm watching with my buddies, and they're like, damn, like, what's the deal with, with this guy? And I'm like, dude, he only has two pitches, fastball slider. The next pitch was one of the two knuckle curves, and they're like, that wasn't a slider. And I'm like, eh, well, yeah, never mind. <laughs> never mind. And and so we talked about Christian Javier and how good that this Astros bullpen is behind him. We talked a little bit about the implosion of Aaron Nola. Um, but I was honestly, I was very impressed with with what Alex Bregman did that double down the line. Oh, like, I just want to shout out him for a second because he's seeing 96 mile an hour sliders from Jose Alvarado. He's seen 101. Alvarado looked like that was some of the highest velocity that I've seen from him. And Alex Bregman just chokes up, does what he can, gets the barrel on the ball. And drives in the run, and that kind of felt like the hammer. I was at um, Wogies on the west side. It's a Philadelphia. Yeah, Philly yeah, bar. yeah. And of course, the, you go there when I'm out of town. That's close to my place. <laughs> the helium went out of the room. But at the same time, I want to shout out Phillies fans for a second because I was at that bar, and there was not one second in that game where they thought they were out of it. Yeah, I where love they that. thought they were out of it. And the Phillies live line to win the game when they were down five zero was plus sixteen hundred. And I was like talking with some people at the Phillies bar and they're like, Yeah, I, I'm already on that. Like it was <laughs> they had full confidence they were coming back, but that's how electric the Phillies fan base is. Like I love that. If I was at a Yankee bar and we were down five zero, it would be uh, like, we're the worst would have gone home. Yeah, everyone would have gone home. No one left that bar. Everyone was confident that the Phillies could have still won that game. And to be honest with you, would we have been shocked if no. the Phillies came back? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, that's why I, I didn't want to like stop watching for a second because ultimately the Phillies have done this all postseason. And that's the only thing, though, is right. You, you, you can't live that way. You, you can't always be able to just keep coming back that way. But the real the, the reality is, I mean, this is just one of those games where you got to tip your cap. I don't think any any team on earth was hitting Christian Javier yesterday the way it was. But no, I wouldn't have been surprised if the Phillies came back. And that's why I don't think, you know, we talk about the momentum shifting. It definitely has. It, it naturally will. But I don't think it's really impacting the Phillies here. They got one more game at home, and we'll get to that in a second and how important it is. But I do want to shout out a couple other guys, too. Yuli Gurriel, two for four yesterday. Again. He has not struck out now, what, in 48 postseason plate appearances? It's something like that. It's 46 or 48. Sarah Langs pointed that out on Twitter, too. He's not struck out once in the postseason. Um, and then Jeremy Pena. I mean, talk about a youngster, right? He's 25, just turned 25, rookie. We've talked about him a lot on the podcast. But what stands out to me about, about Pena in this game was he strikes out the first two times, if I'm not mistaken. He ends up picking up two more hits in his next three at-bats and was one of two guys. It was him and Yuli Gurriel who had two hits yesterday. Uh, Jeremy Pena just seems like he's built for this man. Like he just seems like he was so ready to take over whatever Carlos Correa left, like whatever spot Carlos Correa left, not intimidated by that whatsoever. Uh, And you can see that on the big stage. And then that Bregman swing was one of the best swings I've seen all postseason. Like you mentioned on Alvarado, nasty stuff to go the other way on that pitch in that spot. Absolutely incredible piece of hitting. He has been just re- just ridiculously good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Phillies hitters, it, it was the first time that we saw them you know, not look that confident up there. And we talk about one, two, three hat tricks, Real Muto, Castellanos, Alec Bohm, all hat tricked. You had two strikeouts from Bryce Harper as well. Just not something we're really used to. Uh, and I'm very interested to see how they bounce back from that tomorrow. Uh, but it's easy to say, I think Aaron Nola, 
there's going to be postseason questions now up until the next time he goes into the postseason. I know he had some good spots here and there, but last few starts have not looked great. It happens. He's facing the Astros, but you know that's going to be the conversation until he gets back in the postseason again next year. And hopefully, hopefully he can he can write that ship a little bit because there's nothing worse than being a great pitcher who everyone always says, "Oh yeah, but postseason." Like you don't want to be that guy. Uh, and Noah still has a chance to to, to write that ship, but right now he, he looks like that guy. And just to finish on your last point about Bregman, I, I was thinking, I was sitting there and I was talking with Colby. I was like, I think that's the best piece of hitting I've seen in the playoffs so far. And it was for yeah. a couple of reasons, not only because it was one-on-one on the outside corner from a lefty with when it's tailing away from you, but it was the situation, right? He had just faced Aaron Nola, who, you know, he he had a velo uptick. He was up to 95, 96 miles an hour, but he has a lot of different pitches, right? That's what makes Aaron Nola so good is that he can locate five different pitches and he doesn't walk anyone and he's nasty. But then you get a completely different look. And Jose Alvarado hit Jordan Alvarez with 99 miles an hour on his first pitch. And then Alex Bregman just stands up there and he's, you know, he's coming in with 101 and 96 mile an hour sliders and he just chokes up. You could tell Alex Bregman has been here, done that before, and it could have he could have been throwing 110 miles an hour, and it Doesn't wouldn't matter. have deterred Alex Bregman. His heart rate was just the same. You could tell. And if we're talking about Aaron Nola and his struggles in the postseason so far, let's get into Game Five and talk about Justin Verlander's struggles in the postseason yeah. so far. We've talked about this tweet before it's from Christopher Scott, and I just couldn't believe it, and I want to talk about it again in case we have any new listeners to the Just Baseball Show. If Madison Bumgarner came in and pitched in the World Series on Game 5 instead of Justin Verlander and allowed 23 home runs in a row without recording an out, he would still have a lower ERA than Justin Verlander. I cannot believe that's real. The more I say it, the more I almost don't believe it. It's insane, and what's funny is with Dusty Baker as manager, he, 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 he would probably let Mad Bum do that. You know, he'd probably leave him in for 23 homers. I mean, uh, we, I know you guys talked about it with McCullers. That was still one of the craziest things I've ever seen, just being left in that long <laughs> during something like that. But, no, that stat is absolutely unbe- unbelievable for a couple reasons. It illustrates how frustrating Verlander has been in the World Series, but also how incredible Mad Bum has been one in the World run. Series through his career. I mean, he's the, he's one of the best, you know, if arguably the best World Series pitcher ever. Uh, and and it, it, there, there's just examples of guys like that that really just rise to the occasion. But – this is a really big spot, man, and I'm really interested to see what Verlander's made of from this perspective because I feel like Verlander's answered every single question he needs to answer in his career. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's going to win the Cy Young after his second Tommy John surgery. We've talked about it all. Like This guy has done everything he needs to do on a baseball field, uh, but this is the one thing, right? This is the one thing, and it feels kind of Kershaw-esque the way we're talking about it. It's just the narrative wasn't there as much because – you know, Verlander wasn't as consistently in the playoffs. And also he was fine in the playoffs. It was more specifically in the World Series. But I mean, this is a defining spot. And what's interesting is this should be a lopsided game, right? Like this should be in terms of Vegas, right? I haven't looked at the line. Yeah. It should. And I know it's not, but it should be like minus 205 in favor of the Astros because it's Justin Verlander versus Noah Syndergaard. It shouldn't be close. But the reality is, I don't know what the line is. I'm sure you do. Yeah. Um I'm sure it's not. And that says a lot because it's Justin freaking Verlander and he should be the heavy, heavy favorite against a guy who's, let's be honest, like just not that inspiring this year in in Noah Syndergaard. And uh, just to quantify what you were saying about Verlander and how it's not, 
it's not a postseason problem. It's just a World Series problem. Yeah, he's got an ERA near three in all of his ALDS series, all his ALCS series, and we saw it on full display, right? Against the Mariners, ten hits, six earned runs, and in four innings. But then the next start, he has a six inning masterpiece against the Yankees with eleven strikeouts, three hits, and one earned run. Then, but it's also was he just left out there too long against the Phillies? Because I remember we were texting. Dustin and I were texting, man, Verlander is on. Yeah. And then it just kind of unraveled. So I have yeah. a hard time believing that he doesn't make that same adjustment that he did from his first start in the ALDS to his second start in the ALCS, right? It's just in Verlander at the end of the day. We can harp on the statistics of him in the World Series, but at the end of the day, it's on a game-by-game -game basis. Does it matter what Justin Verlander did in 2018 against some other team when he was three years younger? And that's why it's like it's it's almost comical to make fun of him a little bit. And I think he's earned that because now we have a large enough sample where you think to yourself, hey, it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me in 43 innings. Yeah. That's something, right? Yeah. But I just I have such a hard time believing that Justin Verlander won't make the adjustment. Kind of like Nola did make the adjustment. No, I know. I'm like with you. I'll die on that a hill. Bit. You know I'll I'm die saying? on that hill. Right? Like here's where I'm thinking. First of all, the line right now is minus 160 towards the Astros. And while Noah Syndergaard isn't very inspiring, he had a 289 ERA against the uh Astros during the regular season. His first start of the regular season was his best start against the Astros. Five and a third innings of shutout baseball. Like Noah Syndergaard isn't the best pitcher in the world, but he has but he's flashes. Also not, and he's also not asked to go six innings. He's asked to go no. three or four, and then you're handing it over to a Phillies bullpen that, outside of a Jose Alvarado misstep, has been unbelievable. And to your point, Dominguez is now rested. So the over under is at seven and a half. And I feel like people will want to play the over, right? You got Justin Verlander, who has all these stats of the World Series. And then you have Noah Syndergaard, who on paper is like, well, he's about as average as possible. Yeah. But would we be surprised if Verlander goes six innings, one run? Noah Syndergaard goes four not. innings, one run. And then there's a couple runs scored in the bullpen, but maybe even not. And it goes way under the total of seven and a half. That's where I'm leaning. And I wanted to come to you with that because, as dude. you know, it's so difficult to bet on the World Series. Dude. Oh, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. it's impossible. That's what makes the World Series great. I don't want exactly. you to be able to tell me what's going to fucking happen. Um, like, that's the whole point. Um, no, but like, I, I, I mean, I hear you because there's a day off tomorrow, too, right? We have the travel day tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And with that, you're going to be able to empty the tank a little bit on the bullpen. Bellotti only threw nine pitches. Robertson only threw 11. Eflin only threw 12. Those guys will be available. And you got Sir Anthony available. I think with the way that Rob Thompson's been playing it, we could see Sir Anthony is one of the first arms out of the bullpen. If, that, if that's viewed as the middle of the lineup, if that's when the middle of the lineup comes up and he wants those two innings there. So let's say you get four innings out of Syndergaard. Sir Anthony gives you two. Alvarado's probably the only guy unavailable. He might still technically might be, still available be available for 22 pitches. He's probably available. I don't know if I remember with the postponement, you know, with the rain, like he didn't pitch the game before. Yeah, he could probably I wouldn't be go. surprised. You yeah. know, he, he, you know, for example, like his job there was to get out Jordan Alvarez and he just hit him with his first pitch. Yeah, and then you got Kyle Tucker, lefty killer. You got Alex Bregman, lefty killer. And you got Yuli Gurriel, who just kills everyone at this point. Everyone, especially lefties. Yeah, especially lefties. So it's, it was a tough one 
like I'm sure they were hoping you could get out Jordan and and possibly have one out. Maybe that looks a little bit differently. Maybe he pitches Alex Bregman a little bit differently. I wouldn't be surprised again to see Jose so, Alvarado because outside of that one inning, it was hard to find great. a better left-handed reliever. No, he's he's been since the second half of the season has been absolutely unbelievable. So I, I'm with you, man. It's it's all hands on deck. Syndergaard really only needs to give them three or four. Uh, so and then when you look at Verlander. That's again, that's a hill I'll die on, right? Like this guy has a chance to really write the ship on this. I mean, you looking into what he just did this year to come back where a lot of people counted him out. A lot of people weren't sure what he was going to look like. And he comes back and, and does what he's done. I, I'm never going to count that guy out. Um, I, I'm just really interested to see how this thing shakes out for the Phillies offensively, too, because you just got no hit. And I know Verlant, we can we can highlight the struggles, but let's just look at it through this lens. You just got no hit by a rookie, which which undersells it because he's been spectacular. But you get no hit by a youngster, basically. And now you have to face a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. And that's how you have to bounce back. I mean, Javier's 25 years old, second year guy. But you got to come back now and face the best guy, maybe the most the, the best resume pitcher in baseball at this point. And, and that's the craziest part, right? Like you just got no hit and it's like, oh, great. Okay. Now we bounce back and face Justin Verlander. I know they've had success against him, but like you mentioned, like Verlander can, can, can turn it right back. And I promise he spent the last handful of days just figuring out what wasn't going right, you know, where it went wrong. Because like you said, he was great through the first couple innings yeah, and he great. looked like, like prime Justin Verlander, like the guy that had the 180 or whatever ERA this one year, seven, five, one, seven, five ERA this year. I'm very, very interested. I don't want to make a prediction on it because like I could see it going either way, but I am very interested to see how he bounces back. If the Phillies get to him, man, that kind of sucks just because like I don't want that narrative around I, Justin Verlander. I, I agree. I agree. Like I just don't want it. I don't want it. Like it's I everybody I see it. I know it's social media and and we've gotten comments on our YouTube of like social media is not an indication of the entire baseball fan base. And like I'm a hundred percent agree. But there's just so many people out there that are just like love to see the the greats falter in certain ways. And I, I, I consider me the opposite. I want to see the greats do great things. And I want to see Verlander do something awesome. I'm not saying I want the Astros to win. I actually would like to see the Phillies pick this one up because it's obviously advantage Astros with the next two. And you'd rather them have their backs against the wall with two at home. Yeah. Uh, but man, I want to see Verlander do something cool. Like, I just want to see him pitch well. I totally pitch. agree with you, especially with the Kershaw when he finally got that got that monkey off his back in the World mm-hmm. Series. And it was always, you know, a similar thing, right? With Justin Verlander, it, it was the fourth or fifth inning where he unraveled. With Kershaw, it was always the last inning where he unraveled. So I think we could see Dusty Baker having a quick hook, knowing that his bullpen and one inning spurts, these guys are just as good as Justin Verlander yeah. is in terms of one inning spurts. I mean, I'd put Brian Abreu, I'd put Rafael Montero, I'd put Ryan Presley up against anybody in the world. Anybody. anybody in the world. So let's talk a little bit of hypotheticals for a second. Let's say the Astros win this game as they are favored, right? Then we're going back 3-2 to Houston. How are you feeling about the Phillies' chances? With Wheeler going game six, then Ranger Suarez going game seven. Wheeler got that extra day of rest. So I'm hoping, because he did have the velo downtick, will it go back up? Will he look like vintage Wheeler? And then if you have vintage Wheeler, he could be playing on the moon. It doesn't matter. It, like, it doesn't matter what offense. If Wheeler's on, Wheeler is on. And then you have Ranger Suarez, who just dominated the Astros. 
So, but at the same time, you might still be worried about Wheeler a little bit. Just because he had the extra day of rest doesn't mean that he's just going to look like Zach Wheeler. So let's go. If the Astros win game five, how are you feeling about the Phillies chances? Not good. I I, I think instead of saying they're cooked, because if if the pitching matchups didn't work out this way, I'd be like, I'd feel horrible. Uh, They've got a fighting chance, you know, because you have Wheeler who, again, I think backs against the wall, extra day arrest. I'm going to, I'm going to have faith in Wheeler there. And then we saw what Suarez did first time out. Are the Astros going to make an adjustment? Maybe Uh, is, is Suarez going to be as perfect? Probably not, but he's still going to give you a really competitive start, I think. And so you got to feel really good with the way the next two games look in that regard. But to have to go into Houston and, and beat them twice with your back against the wall, uh, I wouldn't feel great about it. But I will say the way that the pitching shakes out, they have a shot. And and I think that's all you can ask for, even at this point. I mean, we were counting them out. You know, at, at least most of us were. You know, you had Phillies. But I mean, like a lot of people were counting them out you know, from, from the start. And. I know Phillies fans probably don't want to hear it because they felt like they they had a really good shot earlier in the series and it's still tied at this point, but it, it shows you how big the the fifth game can really swing things one way or another. Cause you know, three, two is just, is just such a big difference. I, I wouldn't feel great about having to win two in a row, but their pitching matchup salvages it for them, I think, and, and gives them a good shot. But I mean, it, it's, it seems like this this game right here is kind of the the, the series definer in a lot of ways, because even back towards the Astros, which would be the other hypothetical, I'd feel good about the Phillies having those two guys going, only having to win one of them. I'm curious what you think about that. What, what if the Phillies win and you go back to Houston? They've got to win two. It's three, two Phillies. Obviously, you know, the Astros always have a chance, but, you know, I'd I'd feel pretty good about the Philly spot there with Wheeler then Suarez off a day of rest with your bullpen. It's funny. So not to give myself a pat on the back because it could go horribly wrong if the Astros win this game and then the, my prediction at the beginning goes out the window. But I we said I, I said it, they would split game one and two, then they would win two of three in Philadelphia, then they would lose that sixth game, and that sixth game, how good Wheeler has been, how phenomenal. I'm afraid of Framber Valdez. Like, let's no. put that like he will pitch game six. And as good as Wheeler could, he could look like the best pitcher on planet Earth. Yeah. But at the end of the day, is there a better pitcher right now in the postseason than Framber? But then you move forward, right? McCullers Ranger. I give the Phillies the edge in that one. So yeah. this is a absolute must win for both sides, right? I think it's an absolute win for both sides. And when you have Justin Verlander against Noah Syndergaard, you lean towards the Astros side. But at the end of the day, we talked about the narrative when we talked about fool me once, shame on me, whatever that saying is, fool me in 43 innings. There might be an issue here. I don't think either of us would be surprised if the Phillies just jump on him and they go up and they go down to Houston up three, two in the series. I don't think we would be surprised. Do we want it to happen? No, because we don't like that narrative. Similar to Kershaw, we don't want that to happen to Justin Verlander. But would we be would we be surprised? I mean, no, because that's what's been happening, right? Like that's that's we're watching it. We just watched it firsthand. Um, so that's the crazy thing is like we're I feel like we're playing both sides, but it's like I know. that's the crazy part about the World Series is like 
We're here to just talk about it because I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you like I, like I have a crystal ball. I have no freaking clue. We're trying to figure out if a hall of famer is going to be good in the hall. Yeah. Like that's how hard baseball is that a first ballot hall of famer might suck continuously in, in the world series. Like it's crazy. <laughs> uh, but no, I will say like this game feels like the defining one in a lot of ways. Obviously it's not over, but I, I would say this is, if you go like, percentage chance to win the series there's no way that any other game everyone talks about how important it is to win game one sure i don't think there's one game more important besides an elimination game than this one like this is the game that swings the percentages one way or another uh the phillies do hedge a little bit with the pitching matchups that they have working in their favor and i ask you dude and i know we're going to get to it because we'll probably hopefully get to a game seven but like, do you even go to McCullers in that game? Like, what do the, you do? The one thing that you're looking at McCullers is three five seven ERA on the road in the regular season, one five zero ERA at home. So he's obviously much more comfortable pitching at Minute Maid Park, and he's your guy. I mean, you could go to Luis Garcia instead. I mean, you can't go to Verlander. You can't. You probably can't go to Christian Javier on that short rest. So you probably have to go with Lance McCullers Jr. I mean, he's your guy, right? You'd expect him again to make the adjustment. He was, you know, there was all these stuff about him possibly tipping pitches. You know, in that third and fourth inning, when it looked like he at least fixed his mistake, he got, he looked fine. He looked perfectly fine. That's why I think they left him out there because they thought, oh, he must have fixed what was going on, right? He had those early troubles, but then settled in and then everything came unraveled again in the fifth inning. Maybe he never did truly fix it. But if I'm the Astros, like I have to go with Lance McCullers Jr. in game seven. Right. Unless you want to go with Hunter Brown, Luis Garcia hybrid, which is the crazy thing about the Astros, because like that could work better. Like that could work better. That's how good they are. It Um, really could. One more thing before we get to just our predictions for game five. The odds reflected kind of what you were saying. Right. So the Astros going into this game. We're plus 125 to win the World Series, not just in that game. They were plus 125 down to one. Right. They go up 5-0 in the middle of the game. Those odds went from plus 125 to minus 200. Mm. And now they are currently minus 210 to win the World Series. Tied wow. 2-2. So that goes to show you what they think of this game. And to your point about the Astros being huge favorites, like minus 200, I think on a neutral field they would be in this matchup. But you just have Philadelphia at home, so they can't put a minus 200 on the road. You know what I'm saying? So I think... You're on a neutral field. You're right. And they adjust that. And now it's we're looking at minus 160 towards the Astros. So they agree with you. If the Astros or if the Phillies lose this game, the books are saying it's basically over. Yeah. Well, so to put it in perspective there for like those who might not be betters, right? If you put $10 on the Astros to win the series before the game started yesterday, it would have won you about $12.50, right? If you... At that point, you know, in the game when it was a blood or even once the game was over, put $10 now on the Astros to win the series. It would have paid you $4. Five, right? It's half. Five. Yeah. 10, 10 to win five bucks. Yeah. Like that That's... shows you how much it's swung in terms of momentum and, and percentages right there. That is a great, uh, a great point. I didn't realize it was that dramatic from the Vegas standpoint. Dramatic. And you know what I found was very interesting was the game wasn't over yet. No, game wasn't over yet. So that's how much respect the books have 
for the Houston bullpen. Because yeah. also, Justin Verlander and all of his struggles, Noah Syndergaard just being a, you know, unseasoned chicken in terms of the taste of what we're going to yeah. get. Still chicken. Yeah. Doesn't have all the salt and pepper on it and the garlic powder and all that kind of stuff. The total is at seven and a half. Like, shouldn't it be at eight? You know, it's been eight before. Shouldn't it be at eight? But no, it's at seven and a half, which I find very interesting. And I was on Sports Grid, thanks to the Sports Grid guys for having me on. I said, yeah, there might be three or four or five runs scored in the first five innings. But that's where the scoring might halt, which yeah. is exactly what has happened. In these first four games, the first five total, it has gone over that every single game. But the under is three and one. That just goes to show how good these bullpens are. So to your point that you made at the beginning, which I thought was the point, is that you have to get to the starting pitchers or else the game appears to be over. But it would be the most World Series thing to see both of these guys through five inning shutout and then both bullpens blow it in game five. Because like that's... Yeah, of course, of course. So yeah, Because we're saying this, that's exactly what's going to happen. But no, I mean, that's that's the other thing I'm thinking about here is like, if you're the Phillies going into this, you want this to be a bullpen game. Right. Anything else means you lost because Syndergaard's not going seven. Like no. he's not going six. You know, he's not, he's probably now not going he is. five. Now he is. Now he is. Yeah. He is. <laughs> he's probably not going five. Maybe maximum he's going five. You're hoping to get Verlander out of there before the sixth. And, and, and you're, you know, really hoping to get him out of there before the fifth. But that's a tall task, even with, with his struggles. So you want a bullpen game. And the craziest part about that is like if you don't get your runs in on Verlander and they pull him early. It's going to be really hard. And the the question is, can these Phillies match up bullpen-wise with the Astros? That was our question going into this. For the most part, they have, but this is going to be like the ultimate test here. Like this is the ultimate test because I do think we're going to see both bullpens relatively early. Uh, I think Verlander is going to give us a good start, but it's going to be a short leash good start because I think Dusty's kind of seen, look, he looked good. He looked sharp in the early going, then kind of waned. They're not going to let him fully fade this time. I think that they're going to see the writing on the wall. If he starts to, you know, he lets a guy on, they, they pick up a hit, like, see ya, yank it. Like, don't, don't put him in. You got a rested bullpen for the most part. Why do that? I think that's what we're going to see a shorter leash with Verlander. And if it goes into a bullpen game, the big test is can the Phillies match what the Astros are doing or can they get to Verlander with the big swings, right? Can they can they get the two-run shot or the three-run shot that really puts him over the top? Because I think he's going to have a short leash. I really do, which is crazy to say about him. But I think the way that, that Dusty has kind of seen this thing unravel and the way things have gone, you can get five good innings out of Verlander, but you better pull him at the right time. And I think that was always the, the struggle with Kershaw. Everyone always highlights, you talk about the one bad inning at the end. Everyone always highlights it, you know, how rough it was for Kershaw. But in a lot of ways, I feel like if he was pulled at the right time, those numbers would be a lot better. Uh, and a lot of that goes back into the management because no pitcher is going to want to come off the mound. Uh, so that's what I'm really interested to see. Does, how long does Dusty leave Verlander in and, and how does he handle that realistically? It should be a short leash because you've got so many other relievers that can piggyback and, and keep you know the momentum going. I mean, hell, they just picked up a no hitter, right? They just <laughs> passed the baton to them during a no hitter and didn't give it up. Like they can do that. So I, I'm very interested to see how they manage how Dusty manages Verlander in this one. So the more we talked about it, because I went in liking the under, the more we talk about it, I kind of love the under now because oh, to no, your point, like Verlander could go four innings. Maybe a shutout, then he goes in the fifth, puts a runner on, immediately gets taken out for 
Brian Abreu or Rafael Montero or Hector Neris or any of these flamethrowers. And I'm not confident that the Phillies can get to them. They haven't really this entire series. But yeah. on the Phillies side, you know, Noah Syndergaard, I think, can give you at least four innings of two runs, which is not even that good. But I think he can do that. And then you're handing it over to a bullpen that is still very well rested considering the postponement. So give me your final score prediction. I'm going to go. I'm going to say 3-1 Astros. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, that's so funny. I was like, I think I'm going 3-1 Astros when you were talking about it. No, I'll, I'll do a different one. I'll do a different one. I'm going to go 3-2 Astros. Okay. But it was 3-1. I hope. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. It I was 3-1. He just I changed just one number. I to be close. Like, give me yeah. a great game, and I think that's what we will see. But there are I'll, just so many I'll, conflicting factors here. I'll put my cards on the table. I'm rooting for the Phillies in this one. Because I, I, I think if the Phillies lose this, like we said, like, I, I don't I don't like their chances to, to you know, I could see them folding, you know, in game six, even even with Wheeler. Like, I want to see the desperate Astros with two games at home. You know, I feel good about the Astros' chances of, of sending that to a game seven. So I want to see the Phillies win this one, get those fans of Citizens Bank Park. Like, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, imagine if you paid like $2,000 for tickets to watch your team get no hit in the World Series. Uh, that's just, just like, a, if, if anybody that's listening – happen to pay whatever amount of money to go there. It's, it's, I think it's $800, $861 just to get in the door of this game later today. Uh, just, you know, my thoughts are with you. I'm sorry. At least you witness history. I know that doesn't mean very much. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like give these Phillies fans something to cheer about. I know they got something earlier, but give them something to cheer about. I'm also cheering for the Phillies to the same point you are. I want to see a game seven. It also would help my bank account because I have the Phillies series price. So we're still waiting on that. That'll do it for this episode of the just baseball show. Maybe if you were in citizens bank park, paid all that money to watch a, your team get no hit. Maybe you enjoyed the just baseball show. Hopefully you did. Maybe (laughs) we gave you a little bit of sunshine. (laughs) That'll do it for this episode. Uh, We will be back tomorrow. Make sure to use code October 15 in order to get 15% off just baseball merch. You will find that in the episode description. Um, our Manscaped code is still live. Use code a- or J- JB show. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Use code JB show in the episode description for 20% off Manscaped. And we'll be back tomorrow. Arms got three, two Astros or arms got three, one Astros. I have three, two Astros, but we're both rooting for the Phillies because we want to see a game seven. And with that, thank you, everybody.